Well, I hope you have a Bible and that you'll be turning to Isaiah chapter 5. And we're going to read the first seven verses of Isaiah 5 together. And then as we come to look at this message from God's Word, we'll consider the whole chapter, but these seven verses in particular. So pick up your Bible and let's read from Isaiah chapter 5, starting at the first verse. Our reading today is from Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste, it shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold an outcry. It's open. And with these verses before us and still ringing in our ears, we're going to pray. And it's a song we're going to pray. And it's a, a song for renewal. Lord of the church, we pray for our renewing. Would you join in together with us? Let's pray.
Well, let's turn to Isaiah and chapter 5. Were you expecting a love song in Isaiah? Well, maybe not. But that's what chapter 5, verses 1 to 7 is. And and we're going to hear in a moment, it's a love song with a searching chorus and a heartbreaking conclusion. Now, if the prophet actually performed these lyrics to God's people, the solemn message would probably have left them at the end in a kind of reflective silence as that song reverberated in their ears. Well, what about your reaction to it? Now, of course, the original audience to this song in the Bible were God's people in Judah around 700 BC. But for Christians reading the Bible today, we too need to hear a searching biblical love song like this one. Why? Well, because as God's enduring word is spoken, and you and I stop to seriously listen and and urgently take it on board, we'll understand both what God is like and what we are like. And like a good song, it prompts us to reflect. So here in Isaiah chapter 5 is a love song that will search us, that will expose us, And when properly digested, perhaps it will help us, God's people in the 21st century, to hear the Lord's call to faithfulness. So, here in the first few lines, listen and hear Isaiah singing about the Lord's cherished vineyard and its devastating yield. That's the first thing here. Have a look from chapter 5, verse 1. Let me sing for my beloved my song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. Isaiah is introducing the song as a song for his beloved. And and this even This way he introduces it shows us his deep feeling towards the Lord, his beloved. And then he begins straight away. And as we've heard, it's a song about the Lord and his care and his work and his nurture, his love, if you like, and his love of a very special vineyard. That's the big picture here. Now, this vineyard, if you think through these lines, it was put in place with a lot of work. Look at the work that went into it. Some have suggested that the song gives the impression of maybe three seasons of work. Firstly, there was the the digging and the clearing, the stones put away. And then secondly, to to plant those choice vines and put them in place. And at the same time, to build a watchtower and then to get the wine vat hewn out of the stone. And then a third season would have been put towards waiting for that first harvest in this amazing vineyard. But when it finally arrives, that long-awaited yield is shocking. Have a look at the end of verse 2. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. All that loving attention, and instead of a crop of the finest grapes possible, the vineyard produces, well, wild grapes. Now, the word in the original may be even more pointed than the word wild, The grapes that grew here were actually, well, stink grapes. They were rancid. They were sickening. 
Has that ever happened to you? You know, you're, you're not looking at the grapes as you eat, and then suddenly you have to spit one out because it's disgusting. It was rotten. And that's this love song. It's suddenly hitting a somber, rotten note. And lyrics like these are really, really devastating. The Lord's vineyard, so pursued and worked and loved, well, it gives nothing back but rotten fruit. Now, as we get together on, on Sundays and hear God's word, Black Rock Community Church, people who have come to know the Lord, we are Christians who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listening to a song like this can be very challenging. And, and we need to hear and remember, on the one hand, the Lord's relentless pursuit of his people. Do you hear that here? How he, he worked hard, how he came after them, his investment. And we know from the Bible, he blood-bought his people. That's the amazing truth about who God is. Let's hear that here. And still, though, we need to hear something else, the tough reality that where God's people are concerned, there can sometimes be a devastating harvest. How are we doing after three seasons of the Lord's work in our lives, in our church? Well, in Isaiah's day, the message for Judah was that despite the expectation of a full yield of grapes, there was no real crop. And so Isaiah the singer confronts listeners with, secondly, the Lord's searching questions. What more and why? Verses 3 and 4. Have a listen to those verses. Have a look at verse 3. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? You see, now we turn to hear the Lord speaking, the owner of the vineyard, and he's speaking directly here to Jerusalem and Judah, to his own people. And he puts two questions to them in verse 4. The first one, what more could I have done for my vineyard? And then secondly, why? Why did it give bad fruit? Now, the answer to the first question is pretty obvious, I think. What more could the Lord have done for his vineyard? Well, really, in, in this song, it seems nothing. The work the owner did was complete, you see. It was total. Three seasons of work, as we've seen. All that activity and concern of verse 2. And so the question, what more? Well, it really helps us to reflect on where the blame really lies. And if it's not with the owner who couldn't have done anything more, the only other possibility is that the blame lies with the vineyard. And so the next question here, do you see that why question at the end of verse 4? Well, that further exposes the root cause of this devastating harvest. What caused it? Why did it yield bad grapes? Well, you can see it here bad fruit. Now, take a moment to look at the kinds of bad fruit, and, and those are explained in this chapter 5 from verse 8 onwards. Have a look at the kinds of, of bad fruit from verse 8, just for a moment. So, as Isaiah laments all that has gone wrong among God's people, well, there are six woes. Did you notice that word 
We didn't read those verses, but the word woe comes out here. Now, woe can sound like just a denouncement of our sins. Woe, woe. But it's not. It's actually a lament as well. It laments sin. God's people, you see, yes, they're being denounced for their sin, but there's a lament here. There's a sadness to it. We don't have time to go into each one, but here's a flavor. There's wealth and property that's just been got after, verse 8. There's self-indulgence, verses 11 and 12. Then by verse 20, there's a, a calling evil good and good evil. It's so twisted. And then there's a kind of misplaced self-confidence. That's verse 21. And it leads into a, a breakdown of justice. You know, we need to allow this song to bring us back, if, even if we're God's people, to the reality of sin. Can you see that happening here in the song? Despite God's mercy and grace, His love and His provision, His giving everything, absolutely everything, to His people, they are pictured as a vineyard that has a harvest of rotten grapes. So with this song playing in the background, we need to examine ourselves too. So look at the faithfulness of the Lord. He's not at fault. He's the diligent owner, remember, passionately preparing his people, giving us everything. But then look at the sin and failure of the people in Isaiah's day and in our own day. Church, let's look back at ourselves and hear his calling us back too, back from living our own way, back from sin. I'm always struck at this time of year um, how the darkness has crept in so slowly. And by ne November and December in Dublin, the, the long summer days, well, they're gone. And I'm used now, somehow used to the short days and the late sunrises. And isn't it true that sometimes as Christians, we, we get like that too? We get all too used to the darkness. Even for committed Christians, sin and rebellion can sometimes creep in to once light-filled lives to a point where we are just used to it now. And that's what a song like this is for. You see, there's a probing urgency. I Isaiah's love song about his vineyard and this whole chapter somehow shows us how used to the dark we all have become. So just as you sit and listen to this message, I'd love for you to think about your habits Think about your thoughts, your actions. Think about the conversations you've had. Is there gossip there? Or maybe ungratefulness? Maybe there's spitefulness or lies or selfishness. And when you see these dark things we've grown used to, hear Isaiah's call in chapter 2. Remember that? Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You see, we need to remember what's just gone on in Isaiah so far, confronted with our sin. And then as we read our Bibles the whole way through, I want you to hear John's invitation in the New Testament too. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Those were searching questions here. What more could the Lord have done? And why? Pointing us to both the Lord's faithfulness and at the same time exposing our sin. The fault lies with us. Ours is the need for forgiveness. So we've seen those two things, but next, look what Isaiah reveals. He reveals the Lord's judgment, verses 5 and 6 here in chapter 5. Have a look at them. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Aren't aren't these lines so sad and so serious? The Lord's judgment is spoken with, with such a rhythmic certainty. I will, I will, I will. And the devouring of verse 5, well, the actions build up from that until everything is destroyed. And even the life-giving rain itself is directly withheld. Verse 6. The owner, you see, is the Lord who gives life. He gives the rain, and he will command the clouds to give no more rain. And so all that's left is, fourthly, the Lord's heartbreaking conclusion about his people, verse 7. Have a read at it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. It's heartbreaking. Because remember, this is, the, this is the vineyard, not outside of the Lord's people, but this is the vineyard of the Lord of hosts himself, his own people, Israel, Judah. And then look at those opposites. He looked for justice, but bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but an outcry. Now, in the original, Um, Those words for those two things, justice and bloodshed, would have sounded similar. And the same for that other pair, righteousness and outcry. And one of the commentators tries to get that meaning over um, like this. Have a listen. Did he find right? Nothing but riot. Did he find decency? Only despair. Well, all this is heartbreaking. Now, as Isaiah sang... What was his purpose? Well, remember, his purpose was to show that the Lord would judge. Sin and rebellion could not stand with his holiness. For Judah, that judgment did eventually come as foreign powers invaded them, something that's picked up in in a terrifying description at the end of chapter 5. You can read it from verse 25 to 30. And us looking back now from the 21st century, we, can, we know and we see that the holy God, well, he will judge sin. And this song gives us an opportunity to hear again that call to his faithfulness and the call back to our faithfulness. Be careful, though. Be really careful. If we're only hearing a call to be more holy and to fix our failures by ourselves, and to keep more rules, then we haven't quite got the gist of this song. Be careful. Instead, if we rightly feel the conviction of sin, we can look immediately and humbly 
at the only one with the solution, the only life giver, the Lord himself, and turn back to him. Now, in these chapters of Isaiah so far, let me remind you what we've been glimpsing in these oscillations back and forth between God's hope and God's judgment. We need to be reminded because this song is is so somber. This chapter is so somber. But remember chapter 1, verse 18. Come now. Why don't you turn back in your Bible? Chapter 1, verse 18. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And remember chapter 2. It showed us that picture of the future city with that invitation to come. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 5. And then in chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, there was the first sight of the branch of the Lord. You see, even when the darkness has come in so stealthily, even when darkness is the dominant image, and look at the end of of chapter 5, verse 30. Have a look. Just look at the end of that verse. Have a read with me. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. Even when darkness is the biggest image, Isaiah has already shown us that our hope, our only hope, lies in the Lord. Isaiah wants us to turn back to the Lord, every one of us. Now, allow me a word picture as well as Isaiah. Black rock. Those who are black in sin and failure, all of us, well, let's once again recognize who's to blame, that's us, and turn back to the Lord, the rock. There's a word picture for us. His light, chapter 1, chapter 2. His branch, and in history, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That move to send His Son was a move of sheer grace towards us. God sent His Son. God gave us life through His Rescuer. And and you can hear that amazing line in the run-up to Christmas. That amazing line from Isaiah chapter 9 that we hear every year, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So let me ask you to come back to the Lord today. Each one of us, every one of us, these are hard days, but there's hope to be found in the Lord, nowhere else. Come back to the Lord. And the Bible's message is for you too, even if you've never known the Lord. You know, people who have written down their stories down through the years, I mean, if you pick biographies off the shelf, there'll always be moments in those people's lives where things turned around, turning points, things that might have seemed almost unimportant at the time, but that actually had a big impact in their life and changed things and turned them. Well, perhaps even listening to this song, this love song from Isaiah 5, can be one of those moments in your life helping you to turn around, providing that moment for you in your life or even this year to turn around and to see the Lord. Well, we're going to sing a song that has resonated down through the the centuries for Christians because when they see where the blame lies, 
with themselves. All that's left is to turn back and look at him and his amazing grace. So as we sing this, this this amazing grace, well, it's my prayer that it would be real again for you this morning, thinking about what God has done, how black we are, and how in need of him we are. Well, let's sing Amazing Grace.